0: Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford.
1: And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform.
0: Every trailblazer has skeptics, and every farmer with a vision for their future has faced doubters in their past. So, the Pioneer brand has a message for the doubters. You can't stop the farmer. You can't stop invention. You can't stop progress. You can't stop science. Pioneer is here to help you silence the doubters. Let's outgrow, outyield, outwork, and outsmart them. Let's look to the future and bust through. Grain Farmers of Ontario thanks all of our industry partners, including Pioneer, for continuing to support our organization and the annual March Classic despite the cancellations and challenges we've faced as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. We look forward to seeing Pioneer at the 2021 March Classic. See their ad in the September issue of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine.
1: In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with Tom Farbrass, Chief Financial Officer of Grain Farmers of Ontario, as we continue our 10th anniversary celebration.
0: And I will check in with Marcus Hurl, Chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario, for an update on our organization. First, a Green Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario has announced Dr. Paul Hookstra will join our organization as Vice President, Strategic Development. Paul will be instrumental in overseeing the development of strategic programs that support farmer members, their business growth, and the reputation of Grain Farmers of Ontario on a global scale. The Vice President, Strategic Development, guides the market development, research, and communications departments to meet the strategic objectives of the organization. Paul comes to Grain Farmers of Ontario from Syngenta. He has worked in various roles there since 2004, most recently as government and industry relations manager. He is a passionate advocate of modern agriculture and has been involved in helping empower Ontario farmers in providing a safe, sustainable, and affordable food supply. Paul has a PhD from the University of Guelph and is a graduate of the Advanced Agricultural Leadership Program.
1: The Government of Canada has announced greater flexibility and an extension to the application deadline for the Canada Emergency Business Account, known as SEBA. The program was created to provide support for businesses affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The application deadline for SEBA is extended until October 31st, 2020. In addition, the government indicated that they are working closely with financial institutions to make the SEBA program available to those with qualifying payroll or non-deferrable expenses that have so far been unable to apply due to not operating from a business banking account. This has been a major stumbling block for farmers trying to access funding from this program. More information on the new program will be available on the Government of Canada website, Canada.ca.
0: Grain Farmers of Ontario is planning for our annual general meeting to be a virtual event. It will take place via Zoom on September 15th at 8.30 a.m. Please go to gfo.ca for more information about the AGM, including a link to register. Farmer members should also review the 2020 annual report, which is now available online in the about Us section of gfo.ca. The annual report includes the complete financial statements for the fiscal year that ended May 31st. It is a good idea to review the statements ahead of the AGM as the auditor will be presenting a financial review.
1: Your field, your farm, our country. This is the theme at Mazex Seeds, a Canadian and farmer-owned seed company specializing in high-performance corn hybrids, soybean varieties, and seed-based technologies. With a focus on agronomy, research and product support, we deliver industry-leading customer service by working with farmers field by field to choose the right product for their unique situation. Visit MazeX.com to learn more and visit our COVID-19 friendly plot tours at virtualplottour.com. Grain Farmers of Ontario thanks all of our industry partners, including Mazex, for continuing to support our organization and the annual March Classic. Despite the cancellations and challenges we faced as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, We look forward to seeing Mazex at the 2021 March Classic. See their ad in the September issue of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine. And now, here's my conversation with Tom Farfris. So today on the podcast, I have Tom Farfris with us from Grain Farmers of Ontario. Tom, do you think you could give me a little bit of background about what your role is here at Grain Farmers of Ontario?
2: Sure, um, as uh, Chief Financial Officer CFO with uh, Grain Farms of Ontario, I oversee the uh, financial uh, accounting operations and, and uh, financial reporting. Uh, we have two staff that are focused on the financial accounting, uh, Kathy Cocker and uh, Sam, Samuel Chan. So working with them to ensure that we're uh, uh, providing the financial uh, reporting uh, and working with the auditor. So overseeing the financial side of that. And also, uh, in parallel with that, uh, overseeing the uh, uh, the staff that are recording all of the commodity checkoff uh, uh, revenues for the um, for the for the five plus uh, commodities. Uh, so we have uh, Adriana, Phaedra, and Tanya, uh, and the three overseeing those uh, those staff as they uh, process uh, dealer remittances and uh, reports from the dealers and recording that into our customer relationship management system, which is really our what we call our producer database. So we're um, ensuring that we're recording all of the, uh, uh, the dealer uh, remittances and transactions. So uh, in a nutshell, it's really just the financial accounting and uh, reporting for the organization and uh, reporting through to um, uh, to Crosby And well, as well as providing um, uh, quarterly reports to the uh, finance and audit committee, as well as the uh, full board uh, on a quarterly basis. And then obviously the annual audit and overall also overseeing the budgeting process that uh, Kathy and Sam and uh, working with the managers on uh, getting those um, uh, those annual budgets uh, 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 reviewed. Uh, also monitoring the investments, uh, we have a fair amount of money invested in uh, in, in our um, investment funds, and so uh, we're also uh, monitoring that as well as our uh, cash flow, and working with our bank and financial institution to ensure we are what what we need as far as credit facility, and working closely with the week marketing team. Um, Reviewing the uh, the hedging that's going on with the uh, grain trading, as well as uh, monitoring the inventory accounts receivable, and uh, as well as the uh, expense and revenue allocations. So uh, a fair bit um, on my plate, but really a large part of it is uh, working with that with the finance team and, the, and uh, to ensure that uh, all of the uh, accounting and reporting is uh, complete uh, on monthly basis and ongoing basis. So I hope that kind of gives you an overview uh, of uh, some of uh, some of my role.
1: With the AGM coming up, are there any key, key points from the audit as well as the report that are coming out that stand out to you as the chief financial officer?
2: Well, I, I think this year uh, in contrast to last year, uh, it's quite evident we had an operating deficit this year and a large part of that variance is understandable um you know we we had uh consciously reduced the check off last year we had an operating surplus of uh, over a million dollars this year we have an operating deficit which kind of almost like offsets that um so it's kind of over when you look at it in two-year horizon it's kind of flat and neutral um but i think that the main main thing is is we did uh, spend a lot of activity over the last year. We did the election campaign. Uh, we did the campaign this past uh, spring, uh, to, um, uh, reading really to the government relations. Uh, we, we had the cancellation of the, um, of the March classic, and so some expenses were lower. But, uh, I do think that this year, uh, you probably saw more spend on the, on the GR file uh in the government relations so uh, again i think it's just uh the fact that we have the financial stability and uh, we have the, uh, a really strong uh financial position to be able to to do that and uh respond and react to some things which uh uh in light of covid and everything else uh we were able to still execute on on several uh on several areas so uh in a nutshell i think uh you know i think still uh, considering everything, uh, we, we're on our feet. Um, we're, we're not lying in a ditch. We're, we're doing the best we can, and uh, we're, we're doing uh, as, as best we can as as far as uh, as far as the financial affairs of the organization. So we're doing okay.
1: That's good. That's good to hear. Um, so this interview is actually a part of our tenth anniversary celebration, as we showcase a decade of accomplishments for Grain Farmers of Ontario. And from what I've heard, is that you've been here since the beginning, before. The beginning, actually. So, can you tell me a little bit of, about your time here at Grain Farmers of Ontario, and a little bit about the Wheat Board as well?
2: I think when I first joined the Ontario Wheat Producers Marketing Board, going back in, uh, it would have been March two thousand and four. Um, a month later, the organization, uh, well, the three organizations, actually signed a memorandum of understanding uh, to uh, to look at uh, amalgamating, and that was an exciting time because obviously. Joining an organization like the Wheat Board that had a, a smaller headcount had been transitioning into uh, uh, obviously it was no it was no longer a single desk uh, it was competing for the grain uh, and so it, it's it, it's we were a small organization each of the organizations had a smaller operating budget um, and so it was an exciting time period. Because then in 2005, we were looking to uh, come together and move into the agri center. So it was an opportunity at that time uh, to kind of uh, look at the synergies of the three organizations and looking at the staff and saying, how can we grow the capacity of, of each of the individual organizations, the strengths of each of them. So whether it's research or communications with, with the Ontario uh, producers association. And uh soybean was active on the research, so you saw a lot of potential um, mm-hmm. of of the of the three organizations coming together and so in two thousand and five we moved into the AgriCenter still as three separate organizations so uh working with um, with all of the uh the managers there uh to come together under one office space one shared office space so that was a it was a, again a learning opportunity um. To kind of see culturally the three organizations still there were still some different cultures and um uh, obviously some some challenges through that through those through that period of time uh, and then the um, seeing the working groups come together uh to look at okay what would the amalgamation look like what would the expression of interest for the vote for the members uh, of all the three organizations be like um and then uh and then saying, okay, well, what's the regulatory environment? So I think from, from my seat, where I saw it is in the financial and in some of the infrastructure. Um, you, you already saw a lot of the, the bench strength there in, in the staff in terms of communications. Uh, we were working on developing uh, more government relations and advocacy at that time because during the 2005 t- uh, timeframe, the risk management program a lot of those programs were really being uh, uh, developed at that time. There was a real need that hurt uh, during during those uh, mid-2000s. Uh, so anyway, so kind of fast forwarding into 2010, the, uh, the expression of interest was was done. The regulatory uh, draft state um, regulations were, were formulated. So in December of 2009, well, lo and behold, uh, you know, the, the regulations were, were in draft form. They were going to be coming together on, on January 1st. So all I remember is during that Christmas time frame, trying to get a business number with Canada Revenue Agency, trying to get our payroll set up and just a mad, uh, uh, I wouldn't call it a mad scramble, but like suddenly, suddenly like, okay, the, the leash was taken off and, and off you could go and, and just, Okay, create, create the organization. So luckily there was a, there was a process. The, the, the board at that time, the inaugural board, uh, came in in, in uh, January of 2010. And we worked through the, uh, we worked through that period to formulate the, what the first, first budget would be like for five months uh, until May 31st. So it was a period, it was a period of time. Uh, obviously it was, it was stressful. Well, and I, and I think all the three organizations uh, coming together culturally, were are trying to, uh, to try to sell, take, how do we, uh, even though we've, we've gone through this whole planning process, now it comes down to implementation. And so I think, um, with Barry as the CEO and with, uh, with, uh, I was reporting at that time, I think too. I was reporting to Ryan Brown. Um, so we, we formulated, uh, basically the budget and, uh, and I, I still remember uh, long nights uh, trying to say, "Okay, how we're going to be going into the first um, first fiscal year budget, full year, twelve months." So we were looking at the revenue model for the uh, license fees and how it was uh, based on the the number of acres and uh, the cost per acre, and then converting it over to the equivalent uh, checkoff per, per metric ton. So there was a lot of a lot of good, good work that was done um, um, prior, to, prior to the amalgamation. So I think we had a good template to work through. So the, the first, first few years, you know, you're trying to say, okay, well, uh, when you're budgeting, uh, you, you, know, you don't really have too much of a history for, for a full, full year because you, you're still trying to, uh, you're still trying to ramp up and, uh, and get your staff uh, aligned and capacity. And so uh, we're trying to then uh, go through those first few years. Okay, well, what, how, what uh, strategic plan? Uh, formulating a strategic plan, uh, developing uh, offerings and, and uh, communications capacity. We had the magazine still. We were doing uh, public uh, communications activities, farmer member communications, and then when we look at, we added the trailer. We then added the. Grain analytical testing lab. We were focused more on continuing our our our, how put it, our efforts on on research because that was a very significant fund break from the get go. And then, uh, and I think market development uh, became um, was was there was more focus on on the market development uh, in, in the uh, in the year of so we're really trying to get that portfolio on, and uh, and then obviously the government relations was very very key. Um, uh, how do we how do we impact our policy? And mm-hmm. so I think all of the finals, when we look back at it, um, mm-hmm. I think we always were very cautious not to to ensure that we weren't spending all the money on the administration that the money was actually going to to communications to research market. Development government relations and so we were really trying to trying to focus on all our efforts on those areas and uh, and then you know when you see now 10 years later we have a, an hr uh, person um you know sarah in our in our hr area you can see the fact that the organization the head count is, is has grown uh, from what it was back in uh, back in the uh, with when it was first formed. So the organization is much more, more complicated. Um, I think what we do and what we cover, uh, considering our budget, is actually you know, very very good. I think the, the brand brand, the grain farmers' material, the good in every grain, all of the all of the uh, communications activities. You uh, can see uh, there's a lot of pride and effort in it and branding that's gone on. So I hope, I hope um, you know, I think this COVID wrinkle right, this year is a bit of a challenge, but I think one of the main reasons why we were formulating an operating reserve and some of the policies uh, going back to 2012-13 and uh, was to ensure that, that if there was hardship in one commodity, the organization will be able to continue and operate, and I think in, in, when we look at our our, our financials uh, statements, and you see our, our our really strong net asset position, uh, you know, as an organization, that's even though it's Ontario based, uh, we do participate in things across Canada, um, and as well as internationally. So very very. Very proud of the accomplishments of Green Products over the last ten years as
1: the staff person. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like it. It's uh, it sounds like it's been an interesting ten years, and even for at the beginning in two thousand four, with everything coming together, it's just just it. It's really interesting to kind of learn that sort of history about the organization and all the other organizations that came together. Um, so, what are some of the key moments over the past ten years for you that stand out in the finance department?
2: i um i would always uh, think about okay uh, being being asked okay well what do you think our operating um uh, uh, surplus will be because i, I would really fret about we're, we're budgeting trying to come up with with because um, our fiscal year is may 31st is we are still going to planting and some of the hardships with planting with weather challenges and and uh, i was always taking it i guess personally that that uh, sometimes i didn't necessarily get it right and so we'd have an operating surplus and i was embarrassed uh, about about some of the operating surpluses and trying to think well why you know what is it so we we always were following the model using five-year average, but I, th- I think the fact that some years we just, uh, the weather just surprised us and we had such great yields and uh, the operating results. But I think, so I, I think the fact that you know, for me, it's always, I look at okay, financial successes, how, how, how well are we financially? So do we, are we. Uh, are we, um, you know, are we doing fine? Do do we have money? Uh, we we purchased the building, half the interest in the building in two thousand fourteen, so I think that's a quite a milestone as an organization. I think the, we've made the investments in, in the Great analytical, analytical testing laboratory here in Ontario. Uh, that was a very positive. Uh, we we did the, the large trailer. Uh, we've done uh, the fact that we've done and participate in so many events. Um, we we have the trailers that do go into the regional uh, fairs in, in the in the summer months. Uh, the fact that we have participated in the sponsorship in the OHL, uh, we've done the, the the branding along with the CFL. I think there's a lot of I think goodwill in, as a result of of. Our brand of, and so whether it's Good in Every Grain, uh, the magazine, the fact that people are, are members, look, uh, the fact that we're able to serve our members, and and service the needs of the membership. So whether it's on the uh, going to going, going to bat on the Neonic issue uh, several years ago with the challenges around that. Uh, responding to uh, some of the the, the research being able to have the financial strength to make commitments for multiple years on research which is really important Uh, being able to advocate and lobby on behalf of our members and participate in the election this last this last year which is you know quite different i don't think we've ever done that so for me as a as to, to actually Fund and, and get into a, an election campaign as an organization. That was definitely a first. So that one kind of stands out in my mind. And I think probably will likely continue uh, for, for the foreseeable future.
1: Um, you mentioned the building and the Grains Innovation Lab. So why are those so significant? Um, and what do you think the impact is on our farmer members?
2: I think um, on the Green Analytical, analytical Testing Lab, uh, that was done. Um, I think there was a need to have uh, more um, uh, responsive uh, test results on on our harvest samples so for wheat, for example, uh, uh, there was a need to, to assess okay how, what what 's the quality of the wheat what 's the protein levels like what are the, what are the some of the uh, characteristics of it and having um, it would be shipped out to uh, West and the, the results would then come back. Having it done here in Ontario provided a, a more responsive uh, it was a, a partnership with SGS um, where they would uh, provide the, uh, the the staffing for it. Uh, we would do the collection. And so I think that was really a kind of a, a farmer members um, committing some financial uh, The purchase of of equipment Um, and so by doing that, I think we were, we had our own skin in the game, uh, but we are also taking that those results would be used and shared with the, with the, uh, with the end users. So whether it be the, uh, the mills and that, so that we could, we could be closer to them and they could see that we were uh, trying to act in the best interests of our farmer members. To ensure that there was there were market market access for and utilization for uh, for wheat and other other commodities, so I think that one that one was really important um, to do. And then the building, I think, it was the fact that when we look when the board uh, and uh, looked at the cost the, as we were leasing uh, the space on on at the uh, on Ontario Center on Stone Road here in Bluff, um, I think the cost per square foot was was escalating, and I think it, there was a, an opportunity to uh, come in and purchase this an interest in this building at 679 Southgate. And uh, so the overall cost per square foot would be lower by doing that, plus there would be revenue ancillary revenue from tenants on the second floor. So uh, it, it uh, gave us an opportunity, it was financially prudent, uh, we are still uh, coming in, and and uh, our cost uh, is being offset by that revenue. And now that we fully own it, uh, the building I mean, um, we're able to keep all of those, um, uh, you know, obtain that much more savings because we're not having to uh, share um, share some of that revenue uh, from from the tenants. So it, it's a it's a it was a good prudent um, opportunity. And uh, and I think the the we're still continuing to use the the the, the half the, um, half so we're on the main floor and uh, the tenant is up on the second floor so it it, it, it was a natural win win and uh, and so for us it's it's been uh, it's been um, a, a very positive um, positive development.
1: So, how has technology changed the way that things are done in finance over the past couple of years?
2: So I think what we've been pushing for and and I think I've highlighted this in in the uh, the the report is we've been trying to streamline our payment processes. So we're um, before, you know, used to see a lot of paper invoices coming into the office and they would get marshalled around. And so now it's everything's becoming more electronic where invoices are coming in through emails. Uh, and the managers are reviewing them signing off on them, and they're going through their approval process. So I think a lot of that paper based, uh, is kind of going by the wayside. And I think COVID kind of highlighted that a bit more, uh, where we, we were, uh, we had been undertaking a fair number of initiatives the last few years, trying to drive more, um, spend through the corporate credit cards. Um, so we're not creating an invoice for a one-off vendor. Um, uh, Just're trying to reduce the amount of, of friction and setup uh, for for vendors as well as um, as well as payments. So when we do payments now, it's very rare that we're ever going to see a check coming, coming out of us. Uh, uh, government, for example, we're filing our our mm-hmm. uh, our HST, we we're, re- we're doing that online. Uh, we're not cutting any checks unless we absolutely have to. Um, And even from our payroll processing, everything's pretty well electronic. So it's funds, transfers, wires if they're needed. Um, And so I think from a finance perspective, it's becoming more more digital. Uh, And so you're you're seeing that. I think the reporting, um, the next opportunity for us will be to try to uh, to try to provide managers with more real-time reports so the old analogy used to be when i started off in it was paper doesn't move and so that's something that stuck with me 40 some odd years is uh, is that you you really don't want paper to move the, uh, excluding the magazine magazine there's demand for the magazine so i don't want to offend anyone saying that paper doesn't move i think i think the main thing to, the takeaway is 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 the financial results uh, things suddenly change. You have um, another invoice, another expense. So uh, anyway, so I think that the main point just is the fact that uh, it's becoming much more digital. And I think with staff, uh, you know, over the last six plus months, uh, the fact that we had the capacity, the network, uh, we, you know, the fact that we're using uh, quite robust uh, uh, internet uh, network technology. Um, that our staff have been, have been able to work in, in different areas and we're able to still execute and, and fulfill uh, and respond to, uh, to, to things uh, on the financial side. So we went through our budgeting process, for example, this last year, um, just, just this last spring, everything was done through, uh, I, guess, I guess, still spreadsheets, but a large part of the information and discussions we took took place using Microsoft teams and um, we had good collaboration and I think good dialogue so I think everyone found found the process a little bit stressful but at the same time um, I think we personally we were I'm sure everyone was felt positive about the fact that we were able to develop the budgets we were able to go through the financial audit this this year as well um, you know in a in a Manner which, you know, in the past you would have had the auditors in, but most of the information is digital, and so they were able to get it in a secure manner, and we we're able to provide it to them in a secure um, manner for them to uh, complete the audit. So the, the records are very dig- are so so digital these days that um, you know easily provide a cop- copy of an image of an invoice mm-hmm. and. Uh, all of the supporting documents uh, digitally. So, anyway, it's a it's an exciting time. Uh, they call it digital transformation, and, uh, and I think finance is uh, is very much like that. I think on the CRM side, um, because we are getting a lot of dealer reports out in uh, paper base, there's an opportunity to do that more electronically. And so uh, we are working towards that and improving that capacity over the next uh, several years. And I think that's, uh, that's an area that, that we think that uh, has, has some benefit to, our, our, uh, to the dealers, to licensed grain dealers. Uh, and, uh, and I think this, the fact that the information is typically coming in an electronic form to begin with in, in their systems um, there, there's an opportunity to get that into uh, into us so that we uh, those documents don't have to uh, come in by mail or whatever.
1: So. Right on. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, so because this is our 10-year anniversary podcast interview, what do you see happening within the next year and then down the road maybe 10 years?
2: I think the, over the next year, you know, I've often said, you know, just because we've done something a certain way doesn't mean we need to continue doing it that way. It, if it works for 10 years, you know, is it broken? Uh, does it need attention? Uh, is it more efficient for us to do something differently? So I think this year, you know, we are putting some effort into our CRM, some of our, uh, our systems. Uh, our so the CRM system is what we we use for our producer database where we report the the dealer checkoff remittances. Um, also provide information to um, uh, AgriCorp for the Grain Financial Protection Program, and so it's um, it's very much um, something that's strategic to us. So uh, we have put a lot of effort into the CRM system to ensure the accuracy of our producer information we're sending information letters, things of that nature. So we'll continue to invest in that because I, I think that that's very key. I think the fact that the information that is is, uh, is relevant to our farm members is uh, one of what's the pricing. Um, uh, are there any uh, things economic wise that that's helpful to the chief economist? So I think there's some strategic uh, an analysis that we can do on the on the data to, to look at, and, you know, um, uh, any specific areas of concern for family members. So I think those are those are that's one area on the CRM system. Um, I do think that we, um, on the financial side of it, I think the we um, we're looking at and exploring. You know, we we've been presenting the financial results and information in a certain format. And so we're, try, we're trying to likely be exploring: Is there an opportunity to provide a little bit more program-level uh, spending uh, information in in our annual reports? So you know, if we're spending money on our public um, or our members uh, on programs, uh, so, you know, whether it's the March Classic or uh, different events and fairs, the Outdoor Farm Show. Uh, you know, just providing a little bit of breakdown on some of those costs and even internally, just looking at it from the management reporting saying, okay, you know, what is the, what's the, um, what's the, what's the, you know, what's the value proposition for some of these uh, initiatives and uh, and what's the cost of, of some of those?" So I think providing managers with a bit more uh, information uh, related to some of the programs and, uh. And I think when you look at it, you know, 10 years time horizon, you know, I think there's, we've been doing a lot of things. I think we're coming up now and going to be going through a a strategic um, um, plan. Uh, Again, this will be, I think, the third uh, iteration of the strategic plan. So coming up with, uh, with one in 2000, and um, and uh, twenty, so that'll be used as the baseline uh, in twenty twenty one and on. So I think there's just uh, there are several things that are exciting over the next year or two, uh, and uh, and I think you know as as an organization, uh, when you look back at uh, the last ten years, they've gone quickly, and uh, and my goodness, you know when, when you look at it, uh, you still have. Um, Market pressures and things like that. So I think overall, as an organization, just ensuring that we've got the financial resources uh, and staffing, uh, capacity, and competency to uh, execute on the on strategic plan for the next uh, next five years.
1: I want to thank you for your time here um, on the podcast with me and just talking to me about you know what's going on in the the world of finance at Grain Farmers of Ontario. I, I appreciate it. And I definitely learned a little bit more about the organization too, so always a good time.
2: I just want to thank the staff uh, here at the organization. I think uh, I often uh, say that uh, it's not just me that's here in the organization. Uh, when I look at our, our tenure of our you know, finance staff and administration, you know, we've been with the organization, I think we the better part uh, collectively the last 10 years. So, you know, when you look at uh, our capacity and, and in the finance and in the area here, you know, you've got uh, a good group of people that are, that are, are committed. And uh, and I'm very fortunate to have, uh, have that team here uh, because they definitely are a large part of, of the success of the organization. Uh, I always joke that you know, if you add our cumulative years that we would probably be 70 some odd years, you <laughs> know, of age, probably so. So, but I think the fact that we've been together in the department uh, is, is, uh, is um, you know, a testament to them and to the organization that uh, yeah. we, we we're not meant to be out in the front line. I think the way you look at not-for-profit organizations. Is that finance really and administration? They're at the bottom. They're providing the support and foundation for for the other areas of the organization to uh, execute. So, uh, so if anything, uh, I uh, just want to tip, tip my hat off to them and to the rest of the uh, rest of the team.
0: You've got grain to sell? G3 Hamilton is open for business. Go beyond conventional and move grain like never before with convenient delivery opportunities at G3's state-of-the-art Hamilton terminal. Sell direct with G3 Hamilton and put your soybeans, corn, and wheat on the smarter path from field to market. Sell us your grain at g3smarter.ca. Grain Farmers of Ontario thanks all of our industry partners, including G3, for continuing to support our organization and the annual March Classic despite the cancellations and challenges we faced as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. We look forward to seeing G3 at the 2021 March Classic. See their ad in the September issue of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine. Joining us for an update on what's been happening with Grain Farmers of Ontario is Chair of the Board of Directors, Marcus Hurl. Thanks for joining us today, Marcus.
3: Yes, Uh, how are you?
0: Great, thank you very much. Um, We just want to get started with a bit of an update on what's been happening in the field. How are the crops and the the weather conditions shaping up there in eastern Ontario?
3: Well, in the east, uh, things have actually progressed uh, significantly into uh, an approach to harvest. Uh, Soybeans are starting to change. Uh, Corn uh, is filling the grain quite well uh, with some of the moisture that we're getting here in the east. I know uh, southern Ontario still has pockets that uh, uh, probably have moisture uh, lack somewhat to fill the uh, the last bushels of the grain on the cobs and the, in the beans, but uh, there's still hope that uh, we're going to get some more rain coming. Uh, of course, the, uh, the days are getting shorter, so uh, it won't be long before harvest isn't going to be in full swing. So usually mid-September, the uh, early guys are already rolling so let's hope so because uh we do want to get a good winter wheat crop in the ground too
4: mm-hmm.
0: now a lot of farmers uh, as you say are preparing for harvest but uh, we're hoping that they take some time to come out to our annual general meeting which is coming up in in just a little over uh a week now
3: yes uh, so uh this year, we, with the whole COVID-19 uh, situation, uh, GFO has decided to go uh, virtual on the uh, AGM um, because it's going to make it probably somewhat more easy to get the membership engaged into some of the, uh, the things that GFO has been working on. And uh, also getting the feedback from our membership. This is always one of the avenues of how we collect some of the uh, concerns and uh, um, items that we need to address on the farmer members' behalf. And uh, so we uh, decide to go virtual on September 15th. Uh, we uh, encourage everybody to register in. Uh, make sure that uh, you will be able to access the uh, the online platform. And, uh, of course, it's going to run as smooth as possible. Uh, it's all going to be new for everybody. But we uh, do have a full agenda that we have proposed. And uh, it's going to be, uh, hopefully, very well done. And uh, we're just looking forward to membership to, uh, to be involved in it.
0: Now, you mentioned uh, farmer member feedback. We are currently also have a farmer member survey out in relation to the strategic planning process that's currently underway so that Green Farmers of Ontario can develop a new strategic plan. Can you tell us a little bit about that process?
3: As uh, we kind of go through that process, uh, we have identified a couple of things that we want to get out of the membership. And uh, the best way of doing that is going directly to the members. And uh, by uh, having that survey come back to us, it gives them the board of directors somewhat a guide of what we should be looking for. And uh, because this process, uh, we um, we wa- were waiting to do it uh, once we have the new um, uh, CEO in place, uh, Crosby Debit, uh, that we can have basically now... Um, a new platform that we're going to work off from, uh, which might not be so much brand new, but uh, it's just going to be revised and uh, modernized um, because uh, we've been uh, under a, a very good strategic plan in the past, and we certainly want to keep that process going as well as possible because it does give us some benchmarks and uh, where we have to follow through. So we encourage everybody to fill out the uh, survey, send it back, uh, we as the board can basically use that information the best way possible to formulate the uh, new strategic plan moving forward.
0: The current one that we have is about four years old, so right. there's a lot that's changed in agriculture since that one was developed.
3: Oh, it has. Uh, just looking uh, back, like the past is basically a benchmark of what it sometimes the future brings, but... Uh, We've been uh, always very optimistic in our strategic plans. Uh, As an organization, we do want to show to our uh, broad membership that uh, we're not going to be there, just sit back and relax. We want to be progressive, forward thinking, uh, be proactive. And uh, on certain files, we did take the steps of being proactive. Let's say, for example, the BRM file, Uh, it's been Four or five years that we've been at it, uh, we still are very much in dire need for getting any any acknowledgement towards that front. And that's just one example of how much time you put uh, into one of the line items in a strategic plan. Uh, it's not always done right off the bat, and it does take time and effort. And that's why you need that benchmark to bring you back always to what you want to accomplish.
0: Now, on that front with government and government relations, uh, the ad campaign is still ongoing. Uh, I know I've heard the advertisement on News Talk 1010, a Toronto radio station. Um, so we're trying, still trying to get the attention of politicians. How how is that going? Our campaign that we currently have running.
3: Yeah, so the uh, campaign we're in basically version three now. Uh, so uh, we do want to keep the pressure on the federal government and. Uh, as they have now Perot government, uh, it certainly makes it somewhat a stall out because uh, we do want to keep the high level of of acknowledgement in front of politicians that they need to address the BRM file. But um, with all that being said, there's more and more hurt coming towards the Ontario grain farmer as well. Like uh, we're seeing more subsidy dollars flowing to the U.S. farmer as time goes on. Uh, We're gonna be uh, going into a harvest that's gonna be uh, somewhat critical of how much impact all those subsidy payments have on pricing. Uh, Yes, we did see a kind of a rally now this past week, uh, but that's all sort of weather related. Uh, That still doesn't mean price going up is going to maintain and we're only on a two-year high on beans but if you look at a 10-year average we're still way below so uh, we have to look at the big picture and not just at the uh, short-term effects and uh, government is still hesitant of looking at the brm file as being urgent. Uh, they are always hoping that the farmers will come through the crisis by themselves. And uh, let's just face the fact uh, Ontario government has stepped up to the plate. They committed another $50 million to the uh, RMP program, which becomes now a $150 million program. And it's also a down payment for the Agri-Stability program. So, uh, because you cannot double dip on programming. So, um, in a way, it is actually everything in the court of the federal government to step up. And we are still engaging at the high level, uh, at uh, even Freeland's office, now that she is the uh, Minister of Finance as well. Uh, Of course, that's going to put a little bit more pressure on her to make sure that the numbers fit and all that. But in a big sense of speaking, it's not that big an investment for the federal government. Like We're talking about $250 million to cover the cost of the increase in the uh, agri-stability program to make it actually a program at 85%. Uh, uh, without reference margin limiting, which is not a big ask compared to some of the spending they put forward during uh, this whole COVID crisis.
0: Now, with the uh, the ag minister, there's been some conversations uh, that I've seen in the news where um, you know they're they're saying that farmers should take advantage of some of the other programming that's available as a result of COVID nineteen, but uh, farmers are having uh, difficulties accessing some of those funds because of the way their businesses are structured.
3: That's correct. Um, if you are an individual that's not either uh, has a business number or a uh, incorporation, it becomes a personal uh, business. And it's very difficult to access some of those uh, dollars that are there, which um, should not happen from government that they overlook, again, sections of a sector that uh, is actually critical to get the same dollars than the neighbor does just because of them having a different business structure on the uh, on the accounting side doesn't mean that you should be uh, not getting access to some of those uh, those funds uh, on the get go it was always a concern that some of those uh, dollars are not flowing quick enough but it's again the bureaucracy that kind of doesn't uh, do their their initial job to make it easy for everybody to access it and bring everybody to the same level playing field.
0: Well, we'll look for some updates uh, on that government relations file as they come, hopefully over the next couple of weeks. And we look forward to uh, speaking with you during our virtual AGM on September 15th. Thank you very much for the update today, Marcus.
3: You're more than welcome. Have a nice day.
0: Thank you for listening to our Green Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash A
1: special thank you to our guests this week, Tom Farfris and Marcus Hurl. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.